Hello and welcome back to Carl's Eternal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the final chapter of Time of Contempt, Chapter 7. So this continues, uh, as I said, the the basically two-parter of chapters, that is the breaking of Siri. Uh, the little girl that we knew, uh, first appearing in, in the, you know, the Sword of Destiny short story, no more. This is a new Siri. Matter of fact, she doesn't even call herself Siri anymore. She's now Falka, named after her ancestor, the one that uh, amassed a rebellion that killed tons and tons of people and was eventually burned at a stake for the amount of atrocities she did in the, the one that came to her in her fire vision last chapter. This is who she is now. Um, and that is sad in so many different levels and what had to bring her to this place is also sad on an extraordinary amount of levels and um it's gonna be a long time before siri really gets to a place if ever where she can really understand what happened you know everything that happened in korath last chapter you know she feels abandoned she feels lost uh she's got no magic now um, she's become apathetic. You know, she's she just doesn't know how to feel in this world right now, and she's been taken up by these bunch of you know trappers, these mercenaries, uh, who uh, you know are led by this knight, and we we get to see how these basically this outer edge of Nilfgaardian territory is like the Wild West. You know, you got. Uh, a bunch of uh, a bunch of different groups all interacting in relatively bad circumstances. Uh, lawlessness doesn't really matter. Uh, some people consider themselves enough guardians. Some people consider themselves independent. Uh, and there's infighting between certain prominent families. Uh, and as a result, this entire area is just not very nice at all. Uh, and as a result. She's getting bandied back and forth. You know, she first she ends up with the one trappers, and then the the the, the knights challenge them, and then she ends up with uh, in there, and then back at the bar, and it's like this entire circumstances where she can't really act, and that, that that's part of the thing is that her agency has been stripped away, and as a result, is there any chance of uh, her being able to affect the situation? Uh, as as noted in the earlier parts of the chapter, you know, she seems almost apathetic, almost like she doesn't care, but she has woken up a little. She is trying to figure out things. Uh, they even notice when she can clearly understand them, she just doesn't say anything. And then the one time she stands up to them, you know, uh, and so there, it's all about where does agency lie in here? Everybody keeps telling her who and what she is, um, and now she's being literally defined by something she has no control over uh, in multiple different ways, and all she really wants is to be back with Geralt and Yennefer, and that can't happen. Um, and it's just leading to a cycle of, you know, internal conflict in her head where she is fighting against herself, fighting against the environment, uh, to a point that it's just easier to go insular. Um, and that becomes really apparent when she joins the rats, you know, um, when she first meets Kaylee, uh, and during the bar fight, and then, uh, and then when the rest of the crew gets, you know, uh, introduced, they're introduced in this way that is basically, they are these very flamboyant, very, 
um, harsh people. They're young, young kids. The oldest being, uh, I, I believe, Gisela, who is only in his mid-teens. You know, he's just barely shaving. Uh, so they're tweens and teens. They're very young people, but they have all been created by the world around them. Uh, the worst monsters are the ones we create. And that that's ultimately the issue here is that, hence the, t the title of the book, it is the time of contempt, the time of apathy, the time of horribleness, the time of hatred, the time of fear. It is all of this bundled into this one singular group. Every single one of them came here because the world abandoned them in some way and made them fearful, made them angry, and made them want to lash out and define themselves by that lashing out. Uh, and as a result, that has some severe negative consequences. They revel in the violence they cause. Uh, they keep telling Siri to kill people, and when Siri refuses, they call her a coward. They say that she's going to die soon, and when she finally does kill someone, and the, the, and the line being drawn here is what is necessary. When is something brave and correct, and when is something desperate and only for survival? It's that it's that Delin thing that I brought up way back when in Babylon Five. If they fight bravely, they know they will die, but they fight anyway. And uh, one of the Great Council members says, you know, they they fight bravely. You know, they fight, but they know that they're going to die anyway. So is this bravery or simple desperation? Uh, and the entire point of that is, where's that line drawn? And so she kills the guy, and she's sickened by it, but all of them start cheering. They take delight in it, and as we find out, you know, they, they go around, they pillage, they murder, they rape, and they don't care about money. It's not about money for them. It's, they're not even Robin Hood styling, stealing from the rich, giving to the poor. No, they couldn't give a shit. What they're there for is to kill people, because it's entertaining, because it's fun. This is the result of the society in which they were born. The worst monsters are the ones you create because the world abandoned them, because the world told them they were useless and told them and taught them singular lessons of hate, of fear, of vengeance. This is the product of it. You know, Renfri was a product of the same thing. These are people who the world has gnashed out into misery before they could ever truly become something. They're so young, they have so much ahead of them, but they feel like they've already lost the game before they've even began. So where's their go? And Siri, of course, falls in line with them. She's abandoned, she's alone, she has no one, and she feels the same way she, they do. Fear, hatred all driven them to the same place so she finds a home in them and of course they take advantage of that because people like that aren't good people they are mistreated people people that need severe help but never good uh the good ran away from them a long long time ago so you know they in, in, introduce her into the rats with this ceremony that feels very cultish of here let's recite some lines and give gifts freely you know here have a dagger here have a hat here have some gloves and it's just it feels cultish um and then of course the kaylee missile situation and with that you know uh kaylee sees that sh what she did saved him because in the sick twisted way he sees in the rats as a whole see life everybody won't do it and no one will do anything for you 
that the entirety of the world is predicated on money and violence, and that everybody has to have an ulterior motive. When Siri gets the knife from the bartender, the, the innkeeper, you know, the innkeeper at first is very reluctant to give it to her, you know, like, I, I don't know, I, I, they could burn down my entire livelihood, I don't know. Of course, the innkeeper isn't a bad man, necessarily. He is concerned about the livelihood of himself and his family, it's perfectly understandable. But he is ultimately complicit in the idea of... Uh, we talked about this in BA5, the, uh, the duty of the witness to do things, etc. And where is that line drawn? When is it okay to walk away? When is it not? And so he decides to break away from the apathy, break away from his complacency and try and help. And as a result, Siri saves Kaylee, and then that entire situation happens. And the way Kaylee reads this is, I, she saved me, there has to be an ulterior motive, there is a debt to be paid here, and so he sexually assaults her and tries to rape her, because that is the way the world taught him to act. It's not. <laughs> you know, I, you know he's, he's a rapist and he's an asshole. But the thing is, is that's what the world taught him was good. It said that killing doesn't matter. It's for sport. It's for fun. Money doesn't matter unless you're there to pay someone. And, you know, sex is purely there for the enjoyment of one, not the other. Um, And so this is what she does. he does. And Missile steps in and does the same thing. This is what the world taught them, that debt accumulates, you must pay off debt, and that uh, everyone has an alternative motive. Ultimately, at the end of the day, the, all that really matters is uh, fun, delight, hedonism, basically. Um, sex debauchery, all, 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 all the nine yards. And so Missile rapes Siri. And, I, and she, unlike Kaylee, goes through it all the way. And one thing that's a big stickler for a lot of people is that Missile, because she is a woman and rape theory, you know, there's there's an inherent thing with the LBGT community, community you know, that Missile and Siri are gay um, and you know, whatnot. And the thing is, is that, and I think this is a point that a lot of people forget in their need to make the world better. They want equality they want nice things but humans deep down are very flawed creations and just because you're one thing does not mean you're not another you know it is it is possible to lose and still win and win and still lose is the uh is the phrase i like to say and you'll notice that a lot when i talk about b5 and here just because missile is gay does not absolve her and does not allow her to not be horrible. Everybody's horrible. Two things can coexist at the same time. Uh, you know, I, I suppose the, the Schrodinger's cat thing is a bit on the nose with it, but like, you know, just because she's gay does not make her a paramount of virtue. Uh, does not make her the ultimate angel of purity. No, she is a horrible, horrible human being. And guess what? That's all right. And that's Sapkowski's point, is that you can be whatever you want. That doesn't stop assholes from being assholes. You know, the, the world creates monsters, and the world created the rats. The world created Missile. 
Uh, and because of that, they have now turned Cyrilly into something. A monster, perhaps. She is, after all, now called Falka. Uh, and that that's the entire point, is that through the world's inaction, or actions, we... It, it sort of stretches out. It's the domino effect. And affects small and little inconsequential things that spiral and spiral until they've affected a larger net than what was thought. And as a result, the world created missile, the missile created Siri, in a way. And that's the way it is. You know, the, the society does not work on a pure good and evil scale that cannot work it's not how anything works things are messy things are miserable and oftentimes the lines are blurred what is necessary and what is right and oftentimes the, the necessary thing and the right thing are not the same thing uh and so i think that is important to note to a lot uh, a lot of people is that just because missile is gay does not make her an instant paragon and uh and this is a horrible thing to do no people can be rapists and be any sexuality that's just how the world works the the world is messy it's complicated and people are people and they're going to be assholes no matter what you you have 10 people in the room you're going to have 10 different definitions of what an asshole is and where the line is drawn because people have opinions, and that's the nasty, nasty thing about humans, is that uh, we're varied, and we're unique, and as a result, it costs a lot of mess, a lot of the time. And the entire culture of the rats basically influencing Siri to go down a certain path, and her... The, the, the ending always really gets me with her just after the rape scene with Missile. You know, she... It's clear Stockholm Syndrome. You know, she has been f so lonely that she needs companionship. And so the first person to offer her companionship are these horrible human beings known as the rats. But she knows on an unconscious level that this is wrong. But because of the situation she's in, she doesn't want to accept that. So she lets it float away. She goes to the river and she tries to scrub off everything that happened, but she can't because it won't come off because this is a this is a thing that will stay with her forever and it can't just go away. She can't forget it. There's nothing that can heal that wound. The only thing that can is time, distance, and healthy relationships. But she's a long way from all of those. And she also isn't of the mentality to be able to get that far away from them. So she's stuck. And so she lets what was once was float away in the river. Siri is no more. She's Falka. And this is such a fucked up situation that involves the mentality of Stockholm Syndrome, of uh, how the world, you know, gets people by, you know, hinges and grinds them into monsters, whether uh, whether voluntarily, involuntarily, how we make our own problems, and our own problems come back to bite us in the ass. And uh, this, is, this is the result of a world that has forgotten how to care. It's not any other thing other than contempt, anger, fear, 
the inability to understand, the inability to care, the inability to have empathy. It is a world that has lost all ability to think in a way that is positive. And at the end of the day, our family and our loved ones, the ones closest to us, the ones that we have most empathy with, the ones that we have the most interaction with, are what shape us. And they have none. All they have is each other. And the rats will feed on that, creating this constant cycle of hatred and fear. And at the end of the day, it becomes, what is the most enjoyable thing? And because there's no boundaries with the rats, the most enjoyable thing is to kill. And that is the tragedy at the heart of the Breaking of series, that this isn't something that could have been avoided. This was going to happen, you all, and you can see the hints of it so many times if you know what you're looking for. But you also just feel so tragic about it because you know, you know that if the world had ever cared to ask Siri what she wanted, this might, might have gone a different way. Who knows? But that's the entire point, is no one ever asks her what she wants. They didn't. Even, the rats don't even ask her. They pretend to ask her, but then they introduce her in a very cultish manner. They did, Hell, the entire rape scene is all about agency and no one asking. No consent. And that's, that's the world they live in. It's the world Siri is now growing up in. And it is, it's vicious. It's horrible. This is a wonderful end to the book. This is a book that does not hold its punches. Blood of Elves is a fun, fun book for character dynamics and relationship building. It has the difficulty of taking all these things from different short stories, combining them the one, making it cohesive, making it work, getting the characters together, developing things for future stuff. This is the book where the, the reins come off, that the, you know, finally, after a while, he just lets things go, and now we're on a course. And, you know, this this means, because a good story is conflict, that a lot of things aren't going to be happy. If you were expecting a happy story, a happy ending, you weren't reading the right series. And that, that right there is the heart of this. This series was this wonderful, wonderful girl we met, who's so sure of herself, her destiny, what she was meant for. She was this. She was an ordinary princess with a cold when we first met her. Look how far she's come, and how far she's fallen. And who knows if she'll ever be able to crawl out of that hole ever again. And if she does, if she'll be the same Siri when she gets out. For now, she is Falka, the seventh member of the Rats, and there's a bounty out for them. Stefan Skalen, the coroner of this area for Nilfgaard who's had orders from Amir to find Siri, put a bounty on all of them. He wants them gone. No more. Maybe that's a hint of things to come. Stefan Skelen, he's many things. Loyal, probably not one of them. Uh, and it is, it's a sad thing to watch, but it is inevitable. I shall see you next time for uh, Baptism of Fire which is the what I often call the Geralt book. Uh, this this book is one of my favorites, Time of Contempt is. Um, it's the one where the saga really splinters into a thousand pieces and has to be reassembled. And uh, in the final two chapters, I call the Breaking of Ciri. Uh, 
Baptism of Fire is where Geralt really goes through a lot of his development and becomes the man that, uh, you know, he is at his heart that he he needs to work through his problems to get to. Um, and Tower Swallows is the, that for Ciri. Uh, there's also some interesting stuff for both Yen and Ciri in the next book, uh, and some major world-building stuff, so I'm super looking forward to it. Uh, but for now, we let Ciri to dwell in her angst and her anger and her fear and become a monster. A monster that we made because the world didn't stop to ever ask what she wanted. And the people who did got torn away from her. The worst monsters are the ones we create. See you next time. Bye.